Kia ora and welcome to this podcast of live recorded talks hosted by the Directors and Editors Guild of Aotearoa New Zealand, the New Zealand Guild that represents directors, editors and assistant editors working across screen and new media. Before we begin, content warnings for this episode are listed in the episode description. We hope you enjoy and learn something new along the way. What a great way to celebrate a, you know, a really great film and a, a clearly a fantastic collaboration. I mean, I think it's re- really rare to get an insight into creative collabor- collaborations. And you know, right, right here we have um, between Annie and James an incredibly successful one. I saw the film at the Wellington premiere. I was very lucky to see the film on the, the big embassy screen, and it completely blew me away. And I, I really haven't seen a New Zealand film for a long, long time as assured and as as as, as visceral and actually <laughs> edge of the seat terrifying but in a good way <laughs> I haven't seen a film like that for, for a long time um, and really it, the thing that um, that made me know it was strong is it stayed with me for days after um, so um, in fact <laughs> I've got to say I don't think it'll ever leave me some of the images won't ever leave me and uh, I think that's a very fine thing indeed <laughs> the thing for me that um, that elevated the film um, well above uh, James the your average I guess revenge story was the the backstory of abuse that lies at the heart of the story. Um, we're not doing spoilers here, so we won't. Um, but that's a sort of a, a very much a given in the story. You, you learn very quickly that you're dealing with damaged characters on on both sides, um, the goodies and the baddies, if you like. Both are damaged, and the film is really exploring the consequences of abuse. Um, violence begets violence, I guess which seemed to me to be the reason a film like this should be made, especially in New Zealand in, in the early 2020s. James, would you, would you be able to tell us um, something of, I guess, your connection with this aspect of the story, the, you know, the, the boys' home or the, abu- the, the abuse aspect of it in a broad way, and I guess how this informed the, um, the kaupapa of the project, um, something I know that's very dear to Annie's heart when she takes on a film. Yeah, kia ora, Rob. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks, and thanks for inviting me. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, other than, you know, initially the short story, which the, the work is based on by Owen Marshall, um, I, I should just give context to, to that first, because I was, I was very taken by that story. It was uh, something I hadn't read from an Aotearoa uh, writer before. Uh, it, was, it was quite a shocking read. Um, and I immediately knew I wanted to do something with that, but I didn't know what. So um, I liked the sketch of the characters. I liked the, the, the tone um, I, and the, the, the way in which Owen wrote about the land um, as an influence, as another character, as a force and a backdrop to this story. So I liked all these elements, but as I say, I had no idea what I wanted to do with them because to stretch those out or to, to attempt to stretch those out into 90 to 100 minutes is something that A, I've seen done incredibly well before. Uh, so, so why bother uh, doing it again? Um, and it didn't speak uh, uh, personally to me, so so Owen was kind enough to, to you know accept my offer and naivety of um, where I wanted to go with with the option on the short story, and it wasn't until um, I um, started exploring this other 
uh, world in, uh, through other projects, um, some with Eli Kent, but also it's a world that, you know, I had familial connections to with family of um, looking at, you know, this long shadow of, of uh, the failing of state-run institutions, specifically in this country. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that this is a universal failing um, in, in many cases, as, you, as we're seeing in the news from around the world. But um, I spent a lot of time on, a, on another project, um, meeting, uh, interviewing and, and developing relationships with former residents of uh, some homes, boys' homes that, um, that, are, that are around New Zealand. We used to have 26 homes were in operation during, um, during I think, the late 1950s until uh, the late 1990s. And now we have uh, four. Uh, which are now uh, termed care and protection units, which are, are much more focused as being remand centres for for juveniles rather than um, the blur that happened with um, these homes being set up for um, needed new homes. They needed foster placements. Placements. They also had a lot of other issues which which needed to be um, uh, looked after and cared for and addressed. So. In that environment, obviously, what we're seeing now, especially with the Royal Commission, and we're going to get some sort of hard data on that and hear, hear a lot of stories, are uh, that um, these institutions were um, sometimes built with the best intentions. Um, sometimes they were staffed by people with great intentions. But, uh, you know, the, the sad story is, obviously, that such places also perpetuate a culture um, which is very toxic, very violent, um, and uh, often attract unsavory um, people. But more so, I got interested in this notion of, um, and this came from interviewing former housemasters and staff members in such places. And some of them, you know, some of them, like I said, went in with the best of intentions. Um, others who I talked to were, were very straightforward, um, either about, you know, denying claims that have been made against them or, uh, you know, in, in some cases, it's water over ducks back. Yes, those things happen, but nothing can be done about them. That was a different time. So um, this, both sides of this, this cycle of violence really started to, to, to draw me in because of the grey space that exists on both. On one hand, you know, I have great sympathy for, um, you know, people I've known um, and who have gone through those homes who have suffered and those homes have shaped and influenced the types of um, lives they've gone on to lead, often leading to, um, you know, sort of a conveyor belt of home to home to home to prison to prison to prison, um, because that is where you find your family and and your, your sense of self. On the other hand, I'm meeting people who, you know, have really been accused of some, some really disgusting um, behaviors and and should take responsibility need to take you know be held accountable for those behaviors but they were also husbands they were also fathers and uh, for many of them they were grandfathers and they were very strong um, they were strong family members so I, I found that um, that duality uh, very uncomfortable and it wasn't until I brought that into the room, um, we were able to sort of, uh, Eli and I were able to 
use that to get underneath the short story of coming home in the dark and have it speak to something um, a lot bigger, uh, a lot more personal and a lot more idiosyncratic to this particular land and um, and connection that that we have to it and that there was a question there around the nature of violence. So Owen's, Owen's short story very much talks about the nature and um, um, un, the unpredictable nature of random violence where we were interested in this notion of how does violence and the cycle of violence, um, how is that still felt in that long shadow, as I say, that state, uh, the failure of state-run institutions cast. Yeah, so very, so interesting, really interesting. So you very much um, optioned a short story, but that was really only half of the half of it. You you almost knew when you optioned it that uh, there was a lot more digging around this to give it the depth that you needed. Is what I'm is what I'm getting from that answer. Um, it was you optioned half of a short story, or that you knew you knew you had half of the film. <laughs> In the first fifteen minutes, and then <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what a great, um, what a great way to work. You you have something to something to start with, uh, but you're not um, you're not bound by that creatively. Yeah, yeah. And as I say, the um, and, and Eli felt very much the same way about, about this. It was the potency of of the short the short story. I mean, this is even though it was our first feature film. This was Eli and my. This was our fifth script we had uh, written together or adapted, and. Um, we had adapted prior the first the first one we did was another owen marshall short story but that short story contained the journey uh, of of the entire film within that so it was it was in, it was a, a different a, a different approach in terms of our writing process especially um which made it quite exciting but i think what paid off was that this wasn't our first um step into that space together it, it had the benefit of having a, a, a relationship, a, a process, and a shorthand in the language, which um, you know was was firmly in place for us to sort of you know move tangentially that way, which I think is is at the heart of of film. It's those relationships with your core collaborators, which 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 is essential. Well, happen to have one here, any <laughs> um, uh, any. Uh... Annie and I chatted the other the other day about this, and um, you know, what I'm aware of is that um, you were brought in, you know, quite early on to read a to, to read a script and um, and to give your feedback as an editor on the script. Um, Annie, what was you what were your impressions of uh, just initial impressions of the script that you read? Well, let's start with that. Okay, firstly, Namihinui kia kia tato. Um, it's great to be here tonight, especially with two of my favourite directors. Um, yeah, I was brought in. Um, Eva the Charmer, isn't she? Eva the Charmer. I mean, she's going to, you know, she's going to, there's going to be so many offers coming in. <laughs> <laughs> if there were 17 directors here, there'd be all 17 of my favourite directors. Yeah, yeah. Maybe 50 of them. Yeah, well, um, yeah exactly. Yeah, I was brought in quite early. On, on this on the script um, and um, right off um, I I felt very strongly that that the script was I'd never seen a, a script like it mm -hmm. um, very much in terms of the quality of dialogue mm 
the dialogue writing in it. Um, I, it was the best that I had ever seen in a New Zealand script. And um, I, was, I was just delighted to be asked to, to work on it. Um, I did have um, uh, a couple of uh, misgivings on, on the script. One of them was in the characterization of the, of the sole woman um, character in it. And I, um, in, in talking with um, uh, James and Eli, I, um, my input was that the, the woman character was, um, she wasn't strong enough. And if any one of your characters is not particularly strong, it actually weakens all the other characters around that one. So I, I wanted that woman character to be to be fighting a lot more than the first script that I saw. The great thing about working with James and at that stage Eli also was that the input that I gave them um, was picked up right away and and acted on very fast and. I was really delighted with the way that that character changed. Um, and that I think is um, right from the right from the word go. Um, first of all, I, I was given a script where the co-popper was very clear and strong and a very important one for New Zealand. Um, so that was a that was a the first big big thing for me. And then that writer and, and director picked up my input and did something with it. Um, those two things were the basis of a, a very strong feeling of trust that I had right from early on with James. And that trust, um, nothing there wasn't one occasion ever where that trust was ever undermined right through the whole process of of the filmmaking and that's an extraordinarily important thing i think because the trust between director and editor is absolutely essential right right through um, a production because there are times when, as an editor, I have to say quite strong things to a director. And like, for example, like, for example, um, Annie said to me quite often, um, especially in my early work, well, that's boring as batshit. <laughs> yes. James, did I ever say that to you? <laughs> It wasn't a bat, it was a, 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 an, an, an animal that makes a much bigger feces pile. So, <laughs> got off lucky there, Rob. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so there's, there's without, a risk... Oh, sorry. Yep. Yeah, without trust, you can't actually say your immediate response to footage. And I, um, 
my feeling is that I, I need to be able to give my very first and strong response to footage to a director so that they know that somebody looking at the footage never having seen anything before this is the this is the first cold look that that reaction will be picked up examined and either taken on board or discarded but my job is to make sure that I give my honest response and the director's job is to do with it what they wish that's that's their part of the bargain mm -hmm. James it it feels already we've talked about Eli we've talked about Annie but it feels like um, this is part of who you are as a director, um, someone who builds collaboration and builds trust, would that be something that you're consciously doing as a director? Um, building a closeness of collaboration and, uh, you yeah, know, where... I think that's, I think that's really important, but, but it, it feels very second nature to me, I think, because I come from a, ba a background in theatre. And as an actor, and you know, the, the theatre that sort of was most meaningful to me that I was involved with was often devised work with people, you know, like you say, people you do trust implicitly, um, that, you know, you can have that kind of rigorous conversation. But um, it's, and, and also you get that that shorthand about the work and cuts of the chase and, you, you know, you having, the, having that level of trust too really empowered me uh, because it relinquishes me of the pressure of, and the burden of of feeling like I have to have all the answers, which I never felt uh, once on once we started pre-production to the end. I never felt um, that 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 pressure, that crushing pressure of going. I need to have the answer. No, I, 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 lots of times I know there's something missing, and I wouldn't have a clue. But what what does everyone else think? You know, this isn't just my my challenge here. This is the film, what the film's presenting us all. Yeah, I think it's a that lovely really attitude. I think that really helped um, within the post um, edit as well, um, because it left um, a lot of freedom for me as an editor um, to come up with some solutions. I didn't I didn't ever feel during the edit that. Um, you were actually proscribing um, what I was allowed to do. Mm. And often there would be times when I would just be working away, you, you would have gone home. Um, and there was something niggling me about a, a, a scene or something and I'd do something with it and show you, either send it to you or show you the next day when you were back. And there was always a, a um, almost a delight in seeing what, what I'd come up with. And, and that's hugely affirming and it makes me want to do, um, you know, to be even more inventive. Yeah, that's about an openness, uh, an openness to the ideas of others, isn't it? Which is, I mean, I think is, um, you know, it's quite it's quite rare in first time directors because often you know that's something that you learn because there's a lot of pressure on first time directors to, mm -hmm. I guess, to be the auteur. Um, and um, 
you know, the, exactly that crushing pressure that you described, James. <laughs> and you've, uh, oh, in, instead, you've found a way to, um, to surround yourself by people who you trust and who trust you. And, um, you know, while still very much, uh, I think, Annie, you said this, very much in control of, of the thing that you were making. Yeah, I mean, one, one thing I, and this is something I was taught through um, Christian Penny um, and teachers like Tom McCrory as well, is that, you know, as a director, you know, my my main task is is keeping the eye on that destination point. The destination is feeling, and am I feeling at any given turn? And if I'm not feeling, it's so it's not about constructing the answer to how what that feeling has to be, but am I feeling what I'm meant to be feeling at this point in this frame, uh, in this moment, in this cut, uh, in this in this sound, and being very attuned to that. So it's um. And it's lovely to be able to sit in that space, I think, because then you are partly, you know, for me, it felt like I am genuinely felt like I was an audience member um, on on the set at any, at any given time, rather than just having to make sure we're, you know, keeping to the time and meeting our, meeting our schedule and things like that and getting the bits right. Um, I, never, I never had a sense of, of losing that uh, for, you know, during the shoot. Um, well, we're on the shoot. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I mean, it was short, right? It was well, relatively short. It was four weeks, 20 days. Is that right? Five. Yeah, uh, tw 20, 25. So it was, yeah, about three days worth of pickups in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can, you can, you, can you take us uh, into the trenches with you? Yeah, uh, well, no, we couldn't afford to. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, look, it was, it was in the middle of winter. It was, it was outside. Um, night shoots um, in and around Wellington. Um, you know, looking back on it, it made you know it made for for some discomforts. Absolutely, um, the the discomforts of the actors, I think, you know, and and I think they some of them knew it at the time, and others have come to appreciate that is that that environment really helped them and informed them because it gave them such a visceral. Um, uh, uh, set of uh, you know environments, whether it's in the in the pressure of the car, the pressure of meeting the shoot days quickly, and only sort of having um, limited amounts of time to to hit your hit your marks and everything like that. There was that that focus, that that time pressure, that environmental pressure, all really helped. I think um, not only myself in terms of stepping up and having a sort of a you know, a very clear sense of of what each moment needs to do or be, but that also banded the team together in that sense, um, and um, it it really meant too that I th I feel we all very early on as a as a crew we leaned into the challenges which were daily um, as they always will be um we leaned into the challenges as the best way to find our solutions so rather than really trying to fight against what hasn't worked out um uh, that the car has now you know uh, blown a gasket and won't move how do we actually use that now and um there was and and that sort of pressure really just meant in terms of time what it meant is that everyone 
no one had uh, a minute to waste around scratching their heads and and problem solving and arguing about problem solving and it was a it was a great attitude because it, it, it allowed people to step forward um, and people would allow certain people to step forward. Comrade, our grip, um, you know, was often great. He'd, 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 he'd have the feeling of sitting there or standing there doing nothing, just listening to everyone. But he often came in with a very good solution. Once he had heard, you know, the Apollo 13 method, he's heard everyone else use around the table and then he's looking at sort of sewing them all together and working out the equation that he can do and it was a case of never going well you're a grip so don't don't worry about my art department problem you know that's got to be solved by the art department um it was a case of, of really to tackle every challenge from every department but that you know that did take time to to foster but the the time pressure, the um, you know, the being outside in that weather, which was freezing, um, helped I think sort of you know push that along in a in a in a tangible and effective way. Um, I I think I mean if anything, I yes I I would have loved more time. I mean I think everyone would say that, wouldn't they? They'd, they'd love more time. They'd love more money. Um, but I, I really having been in that experience and having been on some big stuff as an actor and be, having the opportunity to stand back and observe, it really struck me as like that, that there's, a, there's a really useful ally in that, in a level of pressure and constraint, which I need to access a certain amount of creativity and um, creative um, uh, aptitude in terms of resolving um, resolving uh, a scene that needs to turn on a dime in order to still land on that exact feeling I think the scene needs to be, even though it might completely look different to what I had uh, planned or, or envisioned, envisioned in my head or Matt Henley's head. But again, coming down to you know Matt Henley, um, I've worked with, uh, I'd worked with two years prior, we'd done eight short films. So by the time we got to set, we had, you know, a really great, strong shorthand. Having him there meant that we were able to move and be flexible very quickly because of that trust, but also because of, you know, um, we, we had that time to develop um, taste, alignment of tone, alignment of taste. We've got the references sorted out so we can be flexible to those challenges and you know most you know most of most of the moments I think that um you know are my personal favorite or Matt's personal favorite came from the necessity to move um be congruent to your vision but be but deal with the reality of what is in front of you because those are the only materials it's superb advice for, for all of us. Um, and you know, you, you've you've come, you've clearly come at your first film um, fully formed, uh, fully for, with some relationships fully formed with um, uh, you know a lot of knowledge of being on set, obviously from being an actor and uh, and from from doing your your short films. You were you were ready. You felt ready. I did. It did actually. I mean, uh, I feel, I feel, I felt ready in that you know every single day you wake up, um, or, or at least I do, and goes today to the day that you know everyone the world sees that you're a fraud for the fruit. <laughs> uh, 
but um, no, I mean, I felt very steady is the is the is the word, and you know, I think um, I mean, I again, I think that comes back to me for quite a lot from being an actor on stage of going, you know, every single opening night, you're going like, oh, we needed another week, we needed another week, and you step out, and it's just like, well, you can either act or or have another week in your mind, and, and you know, you have to be thrown into the deep end and just and and just act and worry about everything else later. So um, I quite enjoy that aspect of it. So it was, I did, I did feel very, very ready and also, you know, um, but I'm curious about what was going to happen, actually. That was mm. the thing. I was curious about what was going to happen with what Daniel Gillies was going to do, what Eric was going to do, what two boys who hadn't acted before we're going to do how we were you know these things these leaning into the challenges and and trying to stay open rather than you know I, I think outside of a film set and outside of a, a production I try and bend the entire universe to my will or at least that's what my wife will say um <laughs> but on a film set I didn't I didn't feel I felt the exact opposite that's brilliant that, that sort of um calmness um I felt that in in the edit suite as well, as, as the shoot was going on. Um, and I found that really helped. Um, I do remember about three days into the shoot, I felt that there was um, a problem with one of the performances. And um, that calmness helped me, you know, at 5 a.m. in the morning to, to actually write you an email about it. And, you know, I thought, very deeply whether I should or not but then I thought this is my job I have to tell you this um and and so I sent that off um and I I did have a lot of confidence that you would look at what I'd written and evaluate it calmly and mm. that was yeah What's it, what's it like to get an email like that three days in with you, the editor you trust uh, questioning something that sounds fundamental, one of the performances? Yeah, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, there's, you know, forgive my language, I think the first words were definitely, ah, fuck, you know, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, you know, that, that in your private in your private moments, that's fine. Um, and, and then it's very, I mean, you know, for me, it's it's going great. Okay, let's break that down. Have I been honest with myself, or have I just been going? Let's just meet the days. Let's just get this done. Uh, it's too late now. We've started. Um, can we do better? You know how how can we be curious? So so, what is what is it that is working well? What is it that feels absent? Um, uh, rather than going like, oh, how am I going to tell this actor? You know, how am I going to, you know, or am I going to bury my head in the sand now that I know? So, um, I mean, th th I'm very grateful for that that email and that conversation, and that's and that is across the board should be um, your your closest collaborators need to bring that honesty and um, and observation because you know part of me, yes, I think part of me was was overwhelmed with you know doing the work um as we all can be um and then part of me i think was probably turning a blind eye to it going 
that wonderful little voice in the back of your head going, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be, it'll improve, it'll, you know, those things. So I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad Annie, um, you know, didn't, didn't let me kid myself past that point because there was time to do something. There's always time to do something and explore and get curious because that's the thing I, uh, I look back and go, oh, I've, I've lost a level of curiosity with that character because of of who is playing that role and, and, and what it is. And now I need to get re-engaged in there um, because that speaks not only to the what is being delivered on screen, but also the quality of the collaboration relationship with that particular actor as well. So um, it's um, it's not necessarily easy to navigate, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it's it's about it's about how do we how do we develop it and elevate it and get back you know into uh, you know being congruent with that vision and uh, uh, providing a truthful and authentic performance. I think the um, I think the big second time that that happened um, and. I wanted to open this up a little bit um, because I know there's a lot of editors listening to this too. Um, I never asked you at the time, um, but when we screened the assembly, which was two and a half hours long, and by the time it was finished, felt like three and a half hours, um, you were exceptionally quiet for a few minutes and then you said um, can we screen this again tomorrow morning <laughs> um, and I never asked you any questions about how you felt about it after that first screening we we spoke after the second screen mm. so I'll ask you now how did what happened to you through that assembly screening? Well, the, the eight short films that I made, which which were my own film school essentially, um, that I that I orchestrated, um, it, that continuation of every time you watch the first assembly cut, um, it's always that like you know theoretically you know what you are seeing is is not is not life it is the raw materials that have been assembled um somehow you still have that nice nice little voice um you know lying to you in the back of your 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 consciousness going like oh, the film's just going to roll out it's just going to kind of kind of be ready and you'll see it all there and you you <laughs> i find that i continually i think that's just going to be the lie i tell myself for the rest of my life um and that's just going to be process <laughs> and you just move on but what i found was and it did feel like three and a half hours not not two and a half hours longer um because i remember my face dropping when i said how long was that and it was just like oh well if i think it's way longer then it's it's a lot worse than i thought but it was so overwhelming i think to there were so many um aspects that were sort of competing for analysis and um, attention, um, you know, going through a, the certain waves of things of going like, okay, why is that bit there? Or oh, I know automatically what we could do with that bit. So it's sort of a deluge of, 
of of thoughts and feelings that you come to the end of it and the feeling is um i don't feel anything about what i've just seen um i i, I feel very overwhelmed but fundamentally there is no feeling that um i i have that is of any use here well so now that i've got that out the way now i need to watch it again and listen to the film and where i engage with it with it emotionally where i drop out and and start to 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 to, to listen and, and observe more from an emotional point of view rather than you know a, a theoretical or or, or a um, intellectual point of view um because at that stage it's just there's just too much mm. taken so Yes, silence and sort of um, uh, shut down. And then I remember we had a good, robust discussion about that. You know, the following day, mm. yeah, right? So now, now our work begins. Now yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to um, ask you about that because um, um, in some of the mentoring work that I do, that stage of viewing the assembly edit is often a departure point between a fairly inexperienced director and an equally inexperienced editor, because it is so frightening. Right. That, and they don't actually have the experience to get beyond that point. But, but in my experience, there is always a film. Yeah. There's always a film there. So you just you just start at the beginning and yeah. because all of that stuff has just been put up there without the director being in the room with you. You're cutting blind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, my point of view on that um, would be that there's a fundamental difference, I think, between uh, film and television in regard to that, because with television and its very short timeframes, the editor usually mm has to cut uh, something that feels a little bit finished, you know, music and all the rest of it, uh, because the director doesn't have much time. And so probably people who've been used to working in that television mode would be quite um, terrified to see an Annie Collins or any of our super experienced you know, feature film editors first assembly, because they're not designed as a finished work. They're designed to show the director uh, and show yourself as an editor, even what you've got, what the clay is. Um, and then you start molding it, which is clearly the process you went through. Mm. My, my next question, um, just because I'm a little bit aware of time, is that, of course, that process of, you know, molding the clay uh, inevitably uh, results in babies, um, often lots of babies uh, being, what, what a burnt, drowned, what do you do with babies? You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, lost. Uh, and um, and there's a sort of a grief process around that sometimes when you um, you find things that you loved or thought you were going to love have to drop away. Can you, James, talk about? Um, seems a weird question, doesn't it? But the um, <laughs> the grief of the edit, and I say this in the context of a film that is clearly a fantastic film. The product was fantastic, but I. Uh, it's different from the script, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the 
biggest, I mean, we've sort of slightly touched on it. The the, the biggest grief for me, and this is something which I'm, I was I was talking to somebody about a similar thing in a, in a, in a question about how to navigate this as an editor is that um, uh, there's a character in the script um, of which there was, you know, I, I mean, there's a, there's a whole other, uh, there's a, there was a layer there that existed in the script, which, which had to go because it wasn't being met in the performance. And it's there in the way that Annie's edited now, it's still, I would say it's still there in a different fashion, but it's not, it's not using um, some wonderful uh, uh, tools of dialogue and, and the opportunity that that, that that gave because it wasn't there in the performance. Um, and so I think the biggest grief I had was around that, that role um, needed a lot of shaping and work to get it to that place that that was that was resonating as it as as much as the promise of what it was on on the page um but that did mean losing an entire layer which um you know I still miss to the character um and and also part of that for me as a director I'm, I mean I'm pretty I'm you know I'm, I'm pretty tough with my actors in terms of setting high expectations um and you know um and so it's I guess because I, I see the I see the opportunity missed from that perspective too um that's where that's where you know the the greatest disappointment has and th that I have for that but that was really the the biggest one I mean at the end of the day I was really surprised I mean and maybe I'm kidding myself you correct me and if this is this is not to your recollection but I was quite surprised at how easily um, it was to, you know, take the baby and, you know, uh, move on without it, because I found the editing process was really great in terms of it was either I was either feeling something and it was landing or it wasn't. And if it wasn't, then, then it we had to make it land emotionally and for the story. But there's no use in going well theoretically because of what we did it should be landing um so maybe we'll just leave it in there and kind of hope for the best so it got to a point where it was just like yeah no cut gone it's gone and and that and i was really surprised at how how easy that was but again that i mean there's a few factors there but it was again you know that that putting putting yourself in that lovely armchair uh, that annie provides for you and uh, watching on your own screen and going yeah it's um it's it's the one just over the my left shoulder there yeah <laughs> exactly <one. laughs> because because i'm actually sitting in the room where the where the edit was done this is this is my workbench that i'm sitting at yeah this is an interview first i think for uh, for the directors guild you know interview from the edit bench <laughs> with the editor staring at the same screen <laughs> um 
that's um that's great uh, james there's a sense of um uh, uh, uh grief but um but you you uh, once you got the hatchet out you were um you were perfectly willing to um you know to to use it uh and it, as you say it either works or it doesn't it's um um it's um it feels to me that a lot of that is about um kind of uh tearing away your preconceptions mm. and being and 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 reading the emotionally reading the material in front of you and having an openness towards that absolutely can um before we go into questions i just wanted to um to touch on one other um one other area um annie described you to me james as being her quote was unfailingly courteous uh and mindful of other people which was a lovely thing to say and uh, very genuinely said um, and she said, um, I've only seen James get angry once. My ears perked up. And, uh, and I asked, well, when was that? And she said, I hope it's okay to repeat. Well, it was in a very steely way, were her words, during a funders or at the end of a funders screening. Do you remember that moment? And I'm interested in it because from Annie's description to me, it sounded like you handled it brilliantly. You took control of the room at a point where you sensed others could potentially take control of your vision, influence it in ways you didn't want to be influenced. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know the, um, that's, that's very kind of you, Annie. Um, uh, my wife would say, um, well, you clearly didn't spend enough time with my husband uh, in the editing process. <laughs> Only once. Um, uh, yeah, it's um, yes, it's funny thing with with negotiating that that funders meeting and when you go and screen with um, a funder, and I say a funder because uh, at, at that stage it didn't feel like a partnership. So that was the first time it was the first time I had um, interaction with uh, many of the staff who were attending that. Um, uh, and so you, you, you the feeling was sort of going into, you, it's not, it's, to discuss a work that you and, and your team have invested a lot of passion, time and, and energy into, um, and to be invited into a room which feels much more like a mortgage, that you're a mortgagee holder meeting a bank and that there is little relationship around the material other than offering up some thoughts on on something that um, you've been deeply um, uh, ingrained in is is you know it's a it's it's a very it's a very awkward um, space to set up um, and um, I think it's awkward for both sides um, but there's also a sense I'm very mindful in in places like that that you know, People do want to be heard, and actually, to allow people to be heard is that is actually what once you remove your ego from the equation, or as much of it as possible, is that it's actually not that bigger, that bigger thing. Um, but it's also needs some parameters around um, what the purpose of us being here, um, and what is that? What are we here to discuss? And that was the question I think I asked um, 
uh, the other side of the table is because I was unclear. I know um, many of the team were unclear. Um, what exactly are we, what are we doing here? And the, the answer was, a, I, the other side of the table didn't really have an answer to it either. They didn't really know either. And so it, um, so then it was a case of going like, okay, well, well, we'll take on board what you're saying and what we have presented is what we think is the, the vision and the film that we want to tell. Um, and if there's nothing more to be said, thank you for your time. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, I'm glad we walked away I'm glad we walked away and they felt they had been heard, but ultimately, uh, ultimately it was, um, it, it was, it was this odd space of not knowing what is to be achieved or what the, what the outcome, the positive outcome or the positive intention for the film and the filmmakers was. It was, uh, it was a box checking exercise meeting, you know, it has to be, you know, we have to watch the film together and then sit and, in an awkward silence and and open up the film for debate no 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 so it's not that 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 point is gone so it's about closing that down as soon as possible it's like we're not even there and i mean it's great you've got annie you've got annie next to me you've got matt um uh, henley there you've got the producers there. i mean you know part of me was going like i hope someone asks me an editing question because i'm going to go well um we've got the editor here i'd love i'd love I'd love to see you ask, you know, ask her directly, you know, ask, ask, ask the, um, ask the cinematographer directly if you have specific questions around choices or, or reasons, but ultimately it's, um, uh, the intention's not clear. So this is the intention. This is the film that we want to make. If we, if we can, if we hear anything that is worth a consideration overnight, great, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. Um, if nothing changes, then then this is the film, and and, and that was the discussion. Um, and and in some ways, it's a bit of a shame, but I felt the partnership with the funder um, actually started then, in a slightly meaningful, you know, in a meaningful way, especially with certain departments. Um, it's a shame we couldn't have had that earlier, but but. Um, Really good. It was, you know, it was probably the best meeting I've had. I'm sure you can all guess uh, with the with the commission. It was, um, it was, uh, it was a, ultimately it was a fruitful one. Mm. It's called. Um, I mean, as you as you speak there, it's to me, it's called taking the power, um, uh, and and not letting others take it from you in 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 a vital moment, but taking it um, respectfully uh, with uh, that um, uh, unfailingly courteous attitude of yours as any would say <laughs> um thank you both i'd like to i think it's time we, we've got um about 20 minutes for questions um from uh from the the wider group hopefully we'll get to see everyone uh, so they can actually ask their questions hello um uh, just more of a practical kind of question how long was the edit um did you guys sit together every day did you go away for breaks james to come back and just sort of how does that kind of work in there were lots of breaks eh yeah because I was, I was looking through my diary um this morning 
and the film started on the 1st of July and um, um, ran for five weeks and then um, some weeks with with you and maybe four or five weeks or something and with with me in the edit and then we had a break of yeah. some weeks and it continued like that it was a it was a bit stop and start what's your memory of it yeah I, f I found the the breaks were really um helpful for me because they um I mean there's definitely a momentum that that's helpful and and you know doing that you know we worked five days a week usually and then coming back on the Mondays but I found we made big leaps forward after those breaks and you'd have that time to sort of almost detox um uh you know the film and get get um the your palette refreshed um which is something I'd I'd definitely look to fight for in in in, a, in an editing process just because every single time even after the weekends um I found there was always normally a bit of a jump on on the Monday or a Tuesday um one word I'd describe your film as is ballsy by which I mean like it's not afraid to go where audiences don't expect or do things that audiences might even dislike which I really love about the film and I feel like is not really um, present in a lot of films in today's landscape and I'm wondering like was there any time during the filmmaking process that either of you kind of felt a pressure or a temptation to do something make a decision that was just a bit safer for the sake of an audience rather than you know sticking to your guns and making those ballsy decisions um no no fund fundamentally no I mean there are a couple of times I remember in the um when we were refining the the script uh with um with Annie's input and and you know moving towards that final draft stage where there were a couple of um you know Eli and I made made, made a couple of really sort of Hollywood departures should I say around you know people showing up just in time um you know uh, uh, you know things happening that you know are very convenient and, and wrap up but I feel overall um uh you know our our approach was very you know we're very you know we were had great fidelity to the script in, in those particular moments um and it, in fact it was always and those moments came from a place of um the intention being like you know we let's not let the audience off the hook you know resist that urge at any given time and that came that you know that affected too you know that affected a slight tweak on the end that affected um the choice around um one particular character in terms of how we rounded um you know their departure off again around you know we initially we filmed what we filmed once we put it together it was like oh yeah we've made that nice and smooth that edge let's just no no that's that's going against what the rest of the film is mm -hmm. um so it doesn't necessarily it was doesn't necessarily change the story as such but the but but rounding that edge was was about no let's keep it again you know pair it back and not let the audience off the hook. But overall, I felt, I felt, you know, we did stick to our guns, so to speak. Oh, kia ora tato. Um, thank you so much for putting this on and the, the talk has been absolutely inspiring so far. Um, thank you so much. Um, my question, it's actually two questions. 
one is kind of follows on from from Ben's. It's about sort of safety in the in the edit room when you're when you're dealing with such high level of. Um, uh, I don't think violence is quite the right word, but decisions um, around that, and it's um, you know these are images that we have to see again and again and again as editors to get into that feeling. And I just wonder if there's anything that either of you can say about creating a safe environment in order to be able to process those. Um, and also my second question is, um, was Eli at, in, at any stage present in the edit? Did he come in for any of the those decisions when you have to rewrite because something hasn't quite worked? Or was that all up to you and, and um, uh, sorry, Annie and James? Did you do that together? Eli was, no, he wasn't in the room. Um, he, he came in, we had a, a series of showings at certain points where we would show, present to, you know, uh, Matt Henley, Eli, the producers, and talk about, you know, the, the work in broad strokes. Um, and that's, that's where the, you know, I mean, I kind of feel like I want to protect that space between the editor and I. The, it's, it's a, the editor I view as, as a writer. Um, and um, it's a different kind of writing, and it's not so that I, I don't think Eli would be unhelpful in any way in that space. But it's also he's he's also going to be representing the script um, in, in many ways as, as the ambassador for that. Where now what we're working with is is the material and the, of the footage and the tone. Um, uh, so so I found just sort of getting those bigger, asking those bigger, broader questions around intention and tone at those wider group screenings, most helpful to, you know, elicit feedback from the wider group. And, at, and, and again, that's, that's a, that, was, that was smooth and easy for, with Eli because we have a, a strong working relationship. I'm, I think I would probably feel the same though, even if I was working with a different writer. Um, but it was a case of never, you know, really needing, needing it either. So it's a question of, of requirement there. What was the first question? Um, I, I think it's kind of, it's, it's taken from something that you've always said, which is about respecting, cre creating an environment where all the, the, the subject on the, on the screen is, is treated with respect. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's some decisions that were made in the script and, and, and in the, the film that was shot and in the editing, which, which is some very heightened violence, which is very important in order to tell a story. I'm not in any way questioning that whatsoever. But of course, it, it creates, um, you know, I just wondered if there was ever a, a, an issue of safety or a sense of care in the edit room that you felt, Annie, and, and kind of just protecting yourself and to, to make this film. When I, when I saw the film, I thought, I loved it, and, I, and I, I loved the decisions through it. I thought, gosh, I could never work on a film like this to, to go there. I, don't, I wouldn't feel, um, and that's coming from an editing point of view, in case anyone doesn't know. And, and quite often as a, film, as a film viewer, I can watch films and not even think about the craft, but in this particular case, I, I it, it, it shook me. So I'm just interested, Annie, how you protected yourself, or, or did James take into account that kind of place that you had to go to work on this 
and look at those images again and again and again. Sorry, I don't know if I'm making it. The co-popper is, um, is what protects me. Okay, great. The co-popper on this film was about um, the brutalisation of children, basically. And, and even though one of the main characters does brutalise, um, during the film, it's, um, the kaupapa was in fact so big on it that it protects me in working on it. Um, and I just want to make sure that it's as real as it can be. Um, and this wasn't the first time that I had come in contact with um, children's homes and what was being done to children because way back in 1982 um, I had been staying with people who were part um, of the first group of Pākehās who had looked into the children's homes and and had studied them and written up on them and brought them to the to the public's and the justice system's notice and coming home in the dark is in fact simply a, a current day uh, version of that it's tough stuff but I did not find myself turning my eyes away from the screen. And and that's because the co-papa held you. Yeah. It was safe. Yeah. The, the yeah. co-papa is too big and it needs to be yeah. served and oh. served well. I, as a viewer, I could feel that as as well, I've got to say, Kushla, you know, like it's not um these, you know, films with violence are not um what I naturally gravitate towards as a viewer um and you know and this and coming home in the dark has a brutality to it a rawness uh but i felt in safe hands you know i could feel the kaupapa um as i was watching the film and i i, I feel like you know audiences uh, and, and and also the violence to me um to to you know to to annie and james's credit i i really do think is um is often um, suggested, you know, it's not always shown, and it, it, arguably that sometimes makes it feel more violent because you don't see it uh, through the the point of view. We're looking away, or we're just seeing a, you know, we're we're uh, inside a car while violence is happening outside of a car, which I which I really appreciate. So I felt it was brutal, but um, it didn't ever feel exploitative, and and clearly that's because of the copapa behind behind the yeah. Behind the I mean, no, that, I mean, my question was very clearly about not justifying the, the violence that was that was that was not my intention my intention was just purely to discuss the exactly what I got from the the response that I got from Annie that this alluded to a to a co-papa which created a safety in the in the edit room something I might add that you know has been a bit of a, a bone that I've picked with them a few times where I don't think that there's enough care has been given to create that safety with crew 
and um, uh, head of departments, etc. when something like this is, is going on. And so it's great to hear it happening. And um, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that it did happen. And I, I wouldn't expect anything less from Annie either. So I was just, it was really good to hear you say that. Thank you. Uh, kia ora koutou. Um, amazing film. Thank you so much for your work. Um, and thanks, Kushla, for asking that question because I had a um, very similar reaction. I was like, it was hard. It was really hard work watching it because you've done such an amazing job. But I did wonder how you guys keep yourself safe. And when you were when you were telling it, like how you live in that in that story, for how long it takes to get that story told. Um, uh, so it's that was th thank you for asking that. Um, my question was um, I'm about to go into a. Um, a feature assembly, you know, quick turnaround. And I wanted to know, um, Annie and James, what was um, useful to you in terms of, as you're shooting, what was useful to see in terms of cuts, how often you were turning around things um, and what, what you were turning over to James as he was, um, as they were still shooting. Um, yeah, because I just want to be as useful as possible um, to, to a crew as they're shooting. For James. Can you? Well, um, I mean, I had a, you obviously have your idea of and knowledge of what you've shot and what you think is working. But I mean, I always just wanted to see um, uh, Annie's selects um, of, of the scenes on a, on a daily, on a daily coverage of what, uh, not coverage of the um, dailies that we were um, shooting. So it was a case of, um, you know, I wanted to get a steer from um, Annie in terms of what Annie's looking at, what what I might not have been looking at and being surprised by that. And so that was really essential. Uh, I really loved that part of having that daily contact with the editor and discussing, um, rather than looking at any kind of assembly, it was actually the discussion around tone feeling um you know obviously elements that we've talked about around performance came up so those mitigating problems came in but it also i feel that that whole process um uh, built a foundation for a much more robust conversation and relationship when we actually get to sit in the edit together and so when we got to that um it was then just sort of you know picking apart bit by bit i don't i can't i can't remember how we started the actual edit itself um you know i don't think it was chronologically i'm not sure i can't remember but um it it was essential i th i think it's essential to have that daily contact reviewing of footage um for myself as a director but for our relationship and being on the same ensuring that we're on the same page um with the beauty when we can be there in the edit was that physical contact, James, or would Annie just send you through selects, um, cuts of cuts of selects? No, select phys takes? physical contact on the whole. So um, we, I mean, we were working out of um, uh, Avalon. So we would start the day um, watching, reviewing um, in one of the small cinemas there and discussing it before I went on to um, went on to set. So, um, and that, I mean, there were a few times where I had to watch, you know, we, we weren't able to do that. But um, if that's, again, that would be something I would be fighting for is that physical contact and that physical discussion where we go and sit 
together in the cinema. I mean, you know, sometimes the producers would be there, sometimes the writer. Um, but we discuss and analyze and, and talk about what's what I've just said, what's what's working, what's not, what 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 is the intention clear. And when we had um, what were shaping up to be problematic scenes or problematic performances or or whatever, um, uh, I, I clearly remember you and sometimes um, Matt, cinematographer, coming in, um, having a having a look at things and and um, making a judgment call on on the performance and, and that. It was really useful. Yeah, kia ora toto, kia um, uh, For both of you, really, and Annie and, and um, uh, James, um, we've recently finished a film and it's, it's out and about now, um, but we hit a stage in the edit where Margot Francis was editing it, um, where we, we, we actually had to go out and, and pick up, it wasn't a case of just going out and picking up around the corner it was actually a case of getting on a plane and flying to uh, the other side of the world to, to do some pickups, um, which was, which in the end was a really good decision, turned out to be the right decision. Just wondering whether you, did you strike anything like that, James, at all um, during your um, sojourn in the edit room? Um, I mean, there, there were pickups, the, the biggest, Essentially, the biggest pickup we we did was around sort of probably reshooting about a half a day's worth of scene work, quite dialogue heavy work. Um, so even though you know that that's something we couldn't leave until the end, we had to sort of pick it up the next week and and redo it. That was the that was the biggest thing. Um, no, there are a few, you know, more more detail work than anything, I think, and and a couple of, you know, requests on what would really help a, a moment, um, things like, you know, exterior details more than anything, skies or things like that, but nothing, nothing that warranted a, another trip back to the Wadadapa or something, or deep into the Hutt Valley. No. <laughs> And just while I'm at it, did, did um, when you made those decisions, were they, were they just about uh, were they about uh, performances? Were did any of the actors get a second shot at it? Were they um, was it was that based on actors' performances, or was it just you know uh, more a continuity issue? What, what were the issues that? Uh, no, no. As 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 we discussed before, it was that it was around um, the performance feeling like it was you, you know it wasn't congruent with right. what the intention was, and and it was sort of still finding itself in many ways. So it was about going back and being very clear with you know the actors what was to be achieved and why, and bringing them into the solution, and um, and providing them, you know, another opportunity, but providing the film the opportunity that it needed. We needed those things in a different way. Great, thanks for both of you. Thanks. I just oh, I, love I, the, I love the positive attitude around that because you can often think of ah oh, pickups being ah oh, we stuffed up. <laughs> We've got to do it again, damn it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the, no. It's, it's all of the framing that we're hearing from James is, yes, is, yes. Um, was very inspiring to me and I'm sure lots of others who are, who are, who are watching, uh, directors and editors, because mm. uh, it's how you frame things 
um, sort of inspires creativity because you think positive and you feel good about it, even if you're fixing a problem. Uh, it's not a problem; it's a you know, it's a potential. You're making the film better. It's um, it's a, a great way of thinking, James. It it, it makes me think of um, of Mike Horton's um, uh, little phrase that he he uses, which is continuities for sissies. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I I I never ask for anything as um to fix continuity. There's always a different way of handling it. Kia ora, Antifano. Um, yeah, so cool to see you guys and hear your amazing discussion about this film. And I haven't seen it yet, so I really look forward to it. I've got a question, and you might hear Frozen. Our child is listening to watching Frozen in the background. <laughs> but um. I've got a question about genre and um, how that worked, James, with Eli through the writing process, and then how that continued, how you continued to frame the tone and the horror genre through the edit process. And um, I can't remember, James, if you were like a total horror buff, and so you know the genre back to front and you know, or, or not, um, or if you are any, or, but you know, like if, if you're making a film that, you, that, that specifically fits into a particular type of um, an audience that, that knows this type of film so well, and that it has a particular level of um, tropes or things that you have to hit, um, yeah, how does that work through the writing process and through the editing process? and yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the reason I like genre, and I, I am, I do love my horrors, and I do, and I do love my thrillers, and and I am drawn to dark material, but I, I'm I'm drawn to it because I think the great thing about genre is that you can actually unpack, and historically, this is you know, cinema will show this again and again, is that you can actually unpack quite tricky subject matter um, uh, in, a, in a way that makes uh, that makes it accessible or palatable um, uh, to audiences and you can impact those in, 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 in different ways to say necessarily straightforward drama which which might feel a little more didactic and in, in tone pending whatever the project is but you know and so so I always I always gravitate to genre and part of the what we had to navigate um in the script with um different sales agents and things like that is i'm also very aware that you know i'm presenting a, a we're presenting a, a a genre film people buy into the genre film and then once they're in you know you open their mouths with with screams and gasps and then they realize that we're feeding them something kind of you know very different for them to consider and take away at the end of the film. I think genre can do that. Um, you know, the best genre films do do that. We just don't see them a lot. We see um, just a very surface layer, um, you know, threat of life. Um, and one of the biggest things that we had to navigate at the script stage with taking it to market and to funders was, um, of course, it was always going back to, I'll say, dumb, not dumbing down, but sort of, watering down the the co of the intention of the piece in order to make it more 
heightened, I don't know what heightened means, um, but more heightened um, to genre tropes. So, you know, the, the biggest one was always um, around these guys need to be um, hunting down people who have wronged them in the past and, and things like that in order to make it accessible. And, you know, the, at the end of the day, you know, it, it just tells you, well, who are your partner, who, who's, the, who's the right partner for you and who's not. And um, I don't, for this, that, that input from our distributors especially didn't, didn't um, ever cease. Sometimes those notes were helpful, just about, I remember we got one about uh, from um, MPI around the gun doesn't feel present enough. Um, and look, that was that was actually, you know, fair call. It was just like, and, and it was about going, yeah, we need to, it's not about, you know, necessarily um, seeing more, more, more gun action for an American audience or anything like that. It's just about going, this is the, this is the object of threat. This is the object of danger and it needs to be alive. Uh, in these scenes, in this environment, for us, the audience, and so the and through the characters. So, and you know, a couple of choices were made around that, which were were very small, but but very effective. And and that's where I can feel sometimes those notes are very helpful because the last thing I'm really looking at, at in a in a dramatic moment between two people is you know, you know, how's how much action is the gun getting? But in a car, if it's not being fired, so so those. But but those those never end. And at the end of the day, with our particular partner, um, though they've been great, they I think they always sort of viewed that they were going to be able to that the film was somehow going to ultimately veer into like a Wolf Creek kind of film, uh, a kind of exploitation, um, rather than you know moving into something a lot more character focused, a bit more nuanced and 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 um, still and 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 questioning. So and the other part of that navigation too was uh, getting you know people always going, so we want to have those two polar opposites so we know what line of the um, we're on, which is who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, what is black, what is white, which is really frustrating when you sort of go, well, it's clear that the whole thing's gray. Um, and that's the interesting space for that's where we all live. Um, you know that that sense of porangi walking that 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 grey line between night and day. That is the that is the thematic. That is the tone. Um, and that's just something that you know you you kind of go okay. Well, that's always you're going to have to just keep keep working to protect that. And then, you know, once once they start seeing, you know, once you put it in front of an audience, some of those things go away. And like in a film like Get Out, you know, it, it's, it's sort of that elevated genre, which has a real sort of um, social commentary, but it does adhere very strongly to all of the rules of the genre. And therefore it's sort of been popular, like across the board, you know, across art house audiences and horror audiences. And do you, can you see yet where the film has landed? In terms of its who who it's attracting, is it attracting the audience that you thought it was? Or um, it's uh, yeah, I mean it's it's kind it's I'd say I'd say it is, but there's been a lot of lot of difficulty. Obviously, we got shut down after a week in New Zealand with um, COVID. Um, there's some um, aspects. 
that you know around how how something is marketed which is you know proving quite tricky for um you know the distributor and on this particular one but what overall i'm, I'm seeing from the because we've been in about i think by the end of the year we would have been at about 22 festivals uh ranging from sort of you know uh festivals that are uh 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 have a, have a great cross-section of stuff like Sundance to Sitches, which is a very genre-oriented, you know, it's, it's very genre-focused, genre-heavy festival. So, but the but the response from those crowds is is that it's it's working on both of those levels, I think we're finding, you know. So people can watch it and go, you can enjoy this as a thriller, but there's also all this other stuff going on or people going, you need to sit this thriller stuff out because it's really hardcore, but then you do get the payoff of, of you know, there's a bigger story at play here, which is which is very gratifying. And then there's the people who, who leave after 14 minutes. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's... So, so genres like your Trojan horse? Yeah, abs absolutely. Absolutely, and I, I mean, definitely, I feel this is a this is a bit of a Trojan horse. This film, and in, in or, or maybe the approach to dealing with uh, getting it made was a Trojan horse. Uh, yeah, I do. I do like that. I do like that genre. Can, you, it can encapsulate many, many layers to that onion, and you know, it's it's a it's not a dirty word. Those you know. Uh, the, some of the first films that were ever made were genre, you know, Nosferatu, De Golem, you know, all these, you know, German expressionist films that, you know, genre, genre is, is rich within, you know, our literary, within literary, in the literary scene. Sorry about that. Hey, everybody. Um, nice to see you all. And what a film. I have not stopped thinking about it. I saw it on Saturday and it has, like, haunted me the whole time. My friend and I, I made the unfortunate choice to take a drink of my um, double right during the scene that I won't talk about right off the bat and nearly dropped the whole thing. I was just so shocked. And I didn't see it coming, actually, at all. And I think I loved the film so much because you told the story and it was so brave and bold. And, and Annie, the way you cut it, it was just next, next, next. It was almost you could see your acting roots, maybe. I don't know. It's like, what happens next and what happens next? I honestly had no idea. And I think the way that you guys handled the mum, I when we left, I said to my friend, that's exactly what I would have done, what she did. <laughs> I would have been like, I don't have, I'm going to make this choice because that's it for me. I'm done with this. I'm going to take some control back. I don't know. But whatever decisions you guys made, I just felt like I really, it was so moving. And I am from the States. And so anything that, just shows you know the the brutalization of children like you were talking about and it's just oh you know it just really shows so much so i guess i don't have a question but i'm just gushing because i was so impressed with the phone and I, I literally have not stopped thinking about it since i saw it on saturday um i did have a question about the actor that and how you what is without giving it away but what happens that it didn't work out the way you wanted but it, you kind of already spoke to that, I think, about how you went about solving it. And that was actually really a cool answer. So, yeah, thank you. Um, thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, Kim. Well, I, th I think it's probably appropriate that we end on a on a on a gush, uh, a, a beautiful gush. We, um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> filmmakers can always um, 
<laughs> it's a lot of hard work so a bit of gush is good <laughs> and um and uh i guess i just wanted to um i just wanted to end um before thanking james and annie for really what i think's been an incredibly enlightening session for you know for, for me and hopefully for everyone else um it's been amazing to go deep into the process uh of of making a first film and making it so well and making it with such uh, awareness and making it with with awareness of the practicalities of filmmaking, but also uh, the co-papa that sits behind it. And, you know, all of those things you can feel in the film. There's my gush. Thank you, James. Thank you, Annie. I, I speak on behalf of uh, all 50 of us. Uh, it's been amazing. And, uh, and I know, um, James, we're all also very proud of your, you know, ongoing success. It's, it's inspiring to all of us that um, you make a, a great first feature uh, with all the right kaupapa and, uh, and then opportunities stem from that. And we, um, we look forward to seeing you fly because you already are. The Directors and Editors Guild of Aotearoa New Zealand would like to thank all of our guest speakers for donating their time to share their knowledge and insight with our members and audience. Visit www.degnz.co.nz for more information about the Guild. Thank you for listening.